Welcome to Student Talk, Curtin University Edition, an official podcast from the Australasian College of Paramedicine. In this series, we discuss hot topics, ideas and tips for paramedic students. We hope you enjoy it. Here is your host for today. Welcome everybody. My name is Sam Willis and I'm the Discipline Lead for Paramedicine here at Curtin University in Western Australia. Today we're going to be talking about the issue of culture in paramedic practice. And I'm absolutely pleased to welcome third and final year student paramedic, Jenny McGowan. Welcome, Jenny. How are you today? Oh, hi, Sam. I'm good. Just been thinking about the topic and the culture and ambulance services. So pretty excited to talk about this today. Well, that's good to hear. And, and I think um, the, the, the issue of culture is something that impacts every single one of us as paramedics, students, lecturers, researchers, whatever your role is in paramedic practice, culture is one of those topics that really does affect all of us in our practices. And, and thank you for raising this as a topic for discussion, because I think the, the, the listeners will have um, be very interested in this as a topic. And interestingly, the, the first question is about yourself and about what you've experienced as a student paramedic across the last three years. So my first question is, is about you and what you've observed so what have you observed in relation to the changing culture in ambulance since you've been a student ambulance officer? Oh, well, since starting on road, I've noticed we're doing a lot more extended care um, and we're required to kind of change our practice to meet the needs of our patients, um, including their toileting, hydration and nutrition requirements whilst we're ramped, um, along with consideration of pressure areas and just looking at our patients as a whole, rather than just taking them to the hospital and them no longer being our problem. Um, so I've noticed we've, as out of hospital care providers, we've had to really hone in on looking after our patients for that longer period of time and how we're going to best meet their needs and deliver safe care. Uh, I've also noticed a bit of a change in the hand hygiene practices within the ambulance over the last few years as well, which is mm. quite good. Mm. Yeah. Uh, some interesting, interesting topics there. So the first thing you mentioned was around, you've noticed changes in how the actual role of the paramedic has changed over the last three years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's interesting, you mentioned a couple of things there about um, hygiene, hand hygiene and toileting needs. Is this something that you've you've seen a change in in terms of the time that you've spent? So you can you elaborate on that slightly? Um, so spending longer times on the ramp, I've noticed that we've had to be taking our patients to the toilets a lot more frequently. And some of the older style paramedics initially were saying that this isn't their job, um, and it's a nurse's job. Coming from a nursing background, I. I'm more than happy to take people to the toilet and I see it's a, more of a providing dignity to your patient. Um, so slowly found less resistance with taking patients to the toilet whilst they're ramped uh, rather than leaving them to soil themselves, which seemed to be some of the standard for some paramedics, obviously not all, but I'm finding there's less, less of that happening. Um, and with hand hygiene, even from the way we're taught at the college through to like on-road practices, people are changing gloves and washing hands more frequently. And it's not a requirement for our SMXs to walk in 
at D for danger with our gloves on. So it's not kind of being ingrained to you that as soon as you walk through that door, you have to wear your gloves. So I found that's, it's been quite good coming from nursing where most of the time we wouldn't wear gloves and we're doing our five moments continuously into an ambulance setting where people were putting their gloves on as soon as we got the job. Um, it's, it's been a nice change seeing people coming up to the best practice with our hand hygiene and providing dignified care to our patients with toileting and extended care on the ramp. Mm. And, I, and I have to be honest with you, I think hand hygiene as a topic is one of those topics that I'm particularly passionate about. And I think it's one of those topics that um, out of hospital care, clinicians, paramedics, EMTs, whoever, I've actually struggled with the most, particularly given that exactly what you just said, historically, we were expected to put our gloves on for every job. And you, in fact, in terms of assessments, you'd fail the assessment if you hadn't put your gloves on. And now by today's standards, uh, you fail the assessment if you put your gloves on and haven't carefully considered the impact of, um, of donning and doffing your gloves and the impact that has on patient safety. So you're talking yeah. about some pretty important things and definitely, definitely contribute to the culture of the ambulance service. Um, and it's interesting that you've seen that in a period of three time, sorry, three years across a three year period, which is considered a relatively short period of time. So that's a, a really good observation that you're making there. So I suppose yeah. my next question, and you've already alluded to it, would be around your own contribution. How have you contributed to cultural reform across the last three years? Well, I think coming from that nursing background, I've got different skills and a different knowledge base that I've brought into my out-of-hospital practice. So I've kind of gone into each roster working with different people with the hope of just sharing my knowledge and getting them to share their knowledge with me so that we can both become better. So when I've worked with people that I've noticed wear their gloves throughout the whole thing, I've kind of taken the time to explain to them about the five moments or finding times in our, whilst we're working and driving to jobs at the station to kind of bring up like, oh, we'll check that we've got our alcohol gel in this place so that I can kind of explain why I want it there and why it's important for our patients. Um, so kind of a leading by example role of if it's my day attending and our patient needs to go to the toilet, kind of voice my opinion that I want to take them to the toilet whilst we're on the ramp and advocate for my patients um, kind of, and then take the time to explain at a later date when we're or a later time whilst we're kind of reflecting on the day's jobs to explain why and the principles behind what I'm doing and how it meets the best practice and our kind of like responsibilities for caring for our patients so that hopefully the people I'm working with can understand my why so that they can implement it into their practice however suits them. Um, so yeah, hand hygiene has been a big one for me. Just trying. Like, I don't wear my gloves unless I've got body fluid exposure mm. risk. Um, mm. I'm quite willing to tell people, like, oh, no, I don't need gloves if we're rolling someone on a bed or sliding them across because there's, they're not wet, there's no blood. Um, and asking for help to toilet patients, kind of getting other people involved. Well, you've certainly, uh, thank you for that. You've certainly done your bit by the sounds of it. And what I heard 
from everything you've just said is is uh, is definitely you've you've definitely been courageous. It sounds like you're actually going the extra mile to assist your peers and to certainly help them to see things from different lenses and different perspectives, including which includes your nursing experiences and your on the road experiences. And that's absolutely fantastic. Um, and and asking for help is also something that, that that requires courage as well, because I don't think that's something we particularly do very well in the out of hospital setting. Um, um, I liked a couple of the other things that you said, you talked about advocating for patients, which really is fundamental to providing person-centered care. And as for leading by example, again, a, a great example of how you can, you yourself positively um, assist cultural reform in the ambulance service. Um, in terms of sharing knowledge, I, um, I think that's probably one of the most important parts of it because you we we do teach students that they have to ask questions ask the deeper questions about evidence and what is knowledge and where's the knowledge coming from so that people can make that informed decision and for you to be a part of that process is absolutely fantastic um, and, and again I, I think it takes huge courage to actually want to be part of that process as well and and, and it's great to hear that you're using your experiences from nursing to help um, to to be part of that journey uh, in the out of hospital care setting, so that's uh, that's fantastic. Um, I'm just looking back over over some of the notes I'm making about some of your responses. You talk about leading by example, advocating for patients, reflective practice, which is brilliant. It's something I'm passionate about as well. Um, um, and when you shared your knowledge, what what what's been the reception by the the people you're you're sharing your knowledge with? Some people, like when they start a shift, you kind of chat to whoever you're working with, figure out where you've both come from, where what level of training you've each got. Uh, and often at that point in time, I share about my nursing background. So some people come into like, oh man, you're going to be able to teach me lots today. This is going to be great. Others are like, yeah, that's cool. Um, and sometimes I find when I'm kind of sharing like, the hand washing or toileting I get we're not a hospital we don't do that things this way um which kind of makes me giggle a little bit at times but it's I don't see why we can't be providing care to that same standard as a hospital so that's kind of like my driving force is if the, what the hospital's doing is good enough for a hospital why isn't it good enough for us with like hand hygiene and toileting and just looking after people for that, those longer periods of time. So some people seem quite open to having me share my thoughts um, and others definitely come back with, though we're not a hospital, let's not do it that way. But I have noticed most people kind of given the chance, think about it. Um, they're clinicians as well, they're registered professionals. Um, they have reflect on what they're doing, reflect on, I assume they're reflecting anyway, reflect on what I've said. And I've noticed sometimes there's a bit of a practice change mm. the next time I work with them or later in that shift, mm. which for me is quite empowering, kind of like self high five myself, bit of a fist pump moment that watching people take their gloves off, wash their hands, put new gloves on when necessary. So it's, Overall, I'd say most people seem quite open to learning. Mm. So it's it's been quite good. Although sometimes you get a bit of a, a cold response initially. 
I think most people come into this job wanting to care for patients and do what's best for them. So no, it's, it's been good. No, and I, and I would have to agree with you, seeing people's response or, or a behavior change would definitely, I would definitely find that rewarding uh, because you've been part of that journey. And um, you, you keep mentioning this idea of being with patients for longer periods of time. And I would have to absolutely agree with you, the longer you're with that patient, the more risk there is in terms of you potentially doing them some harm. And I mean, it's no secret that when people go into hospitals, they're absolutely at risk of getting, um, let me see if I can pronounce this right, nosocomial infections or hospital healthcare acquired infections. And it's no different in an out of hospital setting. And I use infection as an example because we're talking about hand decontamination and hand hygiene. And in terms of when you mentioned we don't do things that way, it's definitely a very frustrating um, statement to be a part of. And I like to ask deeper questions about why somebody would say that. And a lot of the time, maybe somebody hasn't ever had someone who's in, even attempted to invest in their development or be part of that educational discussion. We really don't know why people choose to make that statement. Sometimes it's literally because as humans, we don't like change. Maybe there's something else in there a little bit deeper that's personal to them. We really don't know. So it's great to hear that you're very persistent with your uh, approaches. And, it, and as you've just explained, it sounds like you're actually having impact on people. So that's absolutely brilliant. Um, the next question was really about what you think the challenges are to this type of a change in the ambulance service. I think it's sometimes there's personalities that really don't want to change. And I found that by continually having these discussions of like, oh, maybe we could try doing it this way or, oh, I've done it this way before, or I've, in my studies or in previous training, this is best practice. They kind of get really annoyed at you, which isn't a great position to put yourself in as a student. Um, so I found I had to kind of test the waters just a little bit and give it some time, see how everything settles down and kind of find the right people to really pursue when I'm trying to make changes or kind of bring my understanding and my knowledge to people because there's definitely some people that aren't interested or aren't interested in learning it from me in particular, which that's okay. I don't mind if they think about what I've said and then go off, find someone else that they want to ask questions to and learn from. Um, it's everyone's learning their own different way and maybe the way I, why I'm sharing my knowledge doesn't come across the best to some people. So I found that's been a bit of a challenge with that differing power of being a student, especially at times on logbooks, um, when you're requiring your paramedic to sign you off as competent, can be a bit of a challenge to bring things up at that point in time. But I think at this moment in my career where I'm not on logbooks, I've finished off my last year of uni. I've just come out of intermediate school where we kind of get a lot of pathophys like consolidated and skills. It's, I think now has been a good time to really share my knowledge. I know a few more people, I've got a good community of paramedics around me that I get along with that we kind of share stories of what we've done at work. So I found by building that community around me um, with people that want to learn that I can learn from as well has been really beneficial in being able to share 
and kind of change the culture. Um, and also getting to know some of the other students that I work with a bit more and working with them, meeting them at hospitals, being able to discuss things with them because they're in the same boat as me, we're all learning. Um, so they're quite good to teach and learn from. And the students in the kind of like the years below have also been kind of like great sources of both entertainment and chit chat at hospitals and being able to teach each other new things. Um, so yeah, I guess my biggest tips would be finding the right people to teach. It's no point trying to teach someone that doesn't want to, there's no point, but it's not, there's no point. It's, it's hard being a student trying to teach someone that doesn't want to learn. Um, yeah, I've, most people want to learn. So I've just found the right people found my my group that want to be better and mm. we just all share our knowledge amongst ourselves mm. from what from what you're saying it sounds like that the challenges to cultural change are around individuals and how they are experiencing the the profession um, because yeah. you talk quite heavily about finding the right people finding people who want to learn uh, but there's, there's a number of other things you mentioned you in the previous question when I asked you about um, how have you contributed to cultural reform? You talked about how you might speak to someone about an issue. They, they, they give you a little bit of pushback, but then you see them change their behavior. So there's two things just there. There's the idea that you sow a seed. So that, so that seed is very much sown when you start to talk to them and reflect about that particular topic. And even though you don't get any immediate response, you then water that, that idea. And then you start to see the fruits of your labor come to fruition later, which is through seeing their behavior change. So that's one thing is to allow somebody time to think about the issue under, at hand and maybe to go away and do their own homework. And the other thing that you referred to is the idea of imitation, where you talked about being a good role model, mm. um, where the idea is that you lead by example through the guidelines and the evidence, and then other people will copy that. That's also very, very powerful. And I also like that you're, you're actually very self-aware. You talked about how sometimes you, the messages you give are not always you know, appropriate to every single person that you come into contact with and, and adapting yeah. is quite important. So it's great that you've got that self-awareness because at the end of the day, the only thing you, only ever, you have, only ever have any control over is yourself and nobody else. But I think we've actually started to um, shift onto our final question, which is around, do you have any practical tips for other students or qualified clinicians in relation to cultural change? And um, yeah, I think what's most handy is when you're doing like either your van checks and there's something that you've like read about that's best practice or you've read some research on something whilst you're doing your van checks. If you've, you're like checking the, the ETTs, for example, and then bringing up uh, research like Airways 2 or doing your van check and realizing you've got no hand gel and kind of like oh grab this so we can do our five moments and just trying to bring this knowledge kind of like organically into your everyday work rather than being like well you come sit down on the couch we're going to talk about hand hygiene kind of it's a little bit less um abrupt you can kind of like put the bait out there and see if it's a conversation that they're wanting to have, see if what their opinions are on it. Um, and like things like when you're on jobs, I think it's 
got to pick the time to have discussions. The, the time and place, I think, is quite important. Um, sometimes with toileting, you don't really have time to, to wait. Um, people, people need to go when they need to go. But kind of choosing when and how to stand up for your patients, there's no point having an argument with whoever you're working with right in front of your patient when it's your first job for the shift because it's probably going to set you up for a bit of a shit shift. Um, but if you know that they're not, like, you sow the seed, they're not willing to help or they're not interested, often whilst you're out, there's someone else around. Get someone else to come and help you. And then by seeing, hopefully by seeing you and another ambulance crew doing what you've asked them to help you with initially they might might further water that seed as you're saying to get them thinking about well maybe this is my job maybe this is something I should be doing um that's kind of getting other people to lead by example with you uh but yeah, definitely picking picking your people picking your time and picking a place and trying to make it more of a conversation than a lecture and I think listening to whatever their perspective is as well because just because they want to do it differently doesn't mean that the principle behind why or how they want to do it is different to the principle of why or how you want to do something um, and also as, as a student sometimes your paramedic has a very valid reason for why they don't want to do something the way you're suggesting. Um, but by sitting and listening to their why, you'll be able to build up a better reason for your why to either not do it the way you initially thought you would or to change and do it the way you want and incorporate their why and how into the way you're doing it, just so that you can work as a team. Like we're all a team. And there's multiple different ways to do different jobs. So I think being open-minded is definitely an important one. Wow, fantastic. So some great tips there. And um, the idea of, of slipping in the, the learning or the conversation and the reflections at the time that is what we call situated, in other words, it's in the moment, is a fantastic idea. And I do agree with you that if you were to say, oh, let's go and sit down and talk about it, it becomes more formal, it starts to become a bit of a labor intensive exercise as opposed to just an organic, to use your words, an organic um, naturally occurring conversation at the point when you're checking your vehicle or you're restocking or you're just talking about it afterwards. It's a fantastic idea. And it um, doesn't mean the formal approaches can't also happen, but you're probably less likely to get buy-in. And I think the, your idea of finding the right people where there's a willingness is so important because coming back to my original point that not everybody is seeing things through the same lenses as you and is not everybody is wanting to have that discussion is also important to recognize as, as far as I'm concerned. And, and, and I, do, I, I do agree that there are times when you can sow a seed and, and let the seed flourish, but there's also gonna be times when if you, if you know the situation, then you know that's not gonna be a, even a starting point. Uh, and I think there's, um, there are limitations as well, but I'm loving your idea of being proactive, using a situated uh, process whereby it's situated in the practice that you that you're having, using it as an opportunity to to 
identify some research or some guidelines. If you have the time, you know what it's like at 7am, that's it, you've got a job. Um, finding your community is absolutely fantastic, keeping it as informal as possible. Also, you, I liked what you said about if you have a discussion with a, a qualified practitioner and they've got a, um, and, I, and I'm taking on board here that you are a qualified registered nurse as well. So it's a little bit different in your circumstances as opposed to someone who maybe doesn't have the, that skills, knowledge and attitudes and experiences. So there's that to, to take into consideration as well. Um, but, um, but these principles, I think, can be applied by anybody that wants to have these discussions. Mm. Um, I think um, the idea that you yourself might be open to change as well and demonstrating that. So in other words, if the paramedic comes back with another response that maybe you haven't considered for you to acknowledge what they're saying as well. And what we're talking about here is explicit communication, making sure that we are having this really open um, communication process whereby you're using the explicit language and there cannot be any misinterpretation. But the idea that you're demonstrating a willingness to learn from them as well is 50% is of, of this process as far as I'm concerned. And that's certainly what I picked up from you. You mentioned being open to change and being willing to hear the, their perspectives as well and listening. Yeah, definitely. I think it also helps with, if you're there as a student, I think your main job is to learn with not like your second job being to share your knowledge. That mm. if you kind of go in there being like, I know best, I'm gonna teach everyone how to do it you kind of get people offside before you even start mm. so like by going in being like yeah what can you teach me mm. it kind of gets them on site to be in a learning environment together and i think it's important for us all to remember that as a qualified paramedic you are expected to demonstrate developing and development over time something as, as simple as a conversation if you can write it up as a reflection has the potential to be used as a form of CPD as well. So it could be that, that, that anyone who works with you or anyone who's listening to this podcast that wants to try and stimulate these type of CPD, um, that you actually do acknowledge that this is a form of CPD or can be used as a form of CPD as long as you can demonstrate learning from the situation. Um, so, so what a fantastic way of, of learning, developing, keeping on top of latest evidence, talking about the situation, reflective, just being reflective, which is something I'm passionate about. And everybody's a winner. You have end up with person-centered care. You end up with better working relationships. You end up with the demonstration of, of CPD for your registration. And you might even find that there are some other areas that you never even considered exploring as a result of, of, of some of the things you're talking about here. So it's win-win. And thank you very much indeed for coming online and actually sharing your ideas, experiences, and, um, and, and actually being proactive. That's another thing that I picked up from here, actually being proactive in what you're doing and not, and not missing learning opportunities when it's relevant to do so. So thank you for that. And I'm sure that the audience will get something from this. Any final questions, comments, tips, or hints that you'd like to share before we sign off? I just wanted to say thank you. Um... This kind of improved my reflective practice as well, thinking about why I do things. So mm. no, it's, it's been very good. And hopefully at least one person out there gets something from this, kind of go out there and share best practice and teach and learn from each other. That's a fantastic conclusion. Thank you so much for your time today, Jenny. Uh, you yeah. take care. Goodbye. Thank you. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening. You can find more great content on our website, paraminutes.org. Or if you have any questions, contact us on education at paraminutes.org.
be sure to tune in for our next episode.